When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Young Bucks Podcast, your Pittsburgh Pirates Prospects Podcast of choice. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Perdor, and we are back for the second half of the season. Corey. Welcome back. Oh, man, I this is a good time of year because now we get closer to the trade deadline. There might be some moves here or there, you know, depending on uh, what the Pirates want to do. And, and, and so from a minor league perspective, I've covered the minor leagues for a long time, Jared. This is where things kind of get pretty interesting because you're always trying to predict which minor leaguers might get traded or, or moved or what have you. That's always, I think, kind of fun. Right. And it also gives you the opportunity to see what the team and the organization bring in whenever they trade away. Because last year that brought us Diego Castillo and Jack Sawinski uh, in their respective trades with the with Castillo from the Yankees and Sawinski from the Padres for Adam Frazier. So, you know, you just never know what, what's going to happen when you come to the come to the ballpark. We are what's it, about six days away from the deadline here. We're recording Monday, the 25th. Uh, deadline is July 31st, you know, it's about to ramp up. And I think, you know, obviously the pirates have already got in on that with trading Daniel Vogelbach to the Mets and also uh, Michael Perez to the Mets for some cash. But the, the thing that I'm interested to, to see is what's next for the pirates. And, and while we, we will get to the guys that are there now, but it'll be interesting to see how they handle uh, this trade deadline because there, there could be some moving parts, but there also could be some staying pat too. I want to tell a little bit of a story here, just so everybody we're, we're going to talk about Quinn Priester, Mike Burroughs service time manipulation. I want everybody to stay tuned for our whole podcast. We've got a lot of interesting subjects to talk about. So during this first segment, which we might keep you know kind of brief, I, I want to share a little story here. This is about Brock Holt. Brock Holt was with the Altoona Curve um, about 10 years ago and good player, good prospect. And I remember writing one time around the All-Star break, Jared, that it would be smart for the Pirates to trade Brock Holt and that he probably would be a really good trade candidate um, because he didn't fit in with the organization. And as a reporter who deals with a minor league play, minor league players on a day-to-day basis. I almost felt kind of badly about writing it, Jared, for this reason, just so everybody is clear on what we're talking about here. Minor leaguers, folks, 
do not expect to be traded. It is, it's very foreign. It is not something that happens very often. I know we hear about, oh, this guy's traded for a couple minor leaguers and you generally don't even know who the minor leaguers are. They don't even name them. They just say a couple minor leaguers. So in my experience of dealing with minor leaguers, here's what you're taught in minor league baseball. Control what you can control. Do do what you do on a day-to-day basis and bust your ass and grind and know that not only are you competing for your organization, you're competing for with for the eyes of 29 other organizations as well. So as we get close to this time, I'm always reminded of Brock Holt ultimately ended up getting traded, had a nice career with the Red Sox, made an all-star team, uh, you know, and, and, and it did much better in his career for himself than he ever would have with the Pirates, I believe. But I just know at the time that it came as a shock, really, to Brock Holt that I would even write that story. It came as a surprise to other players on that curve team. Because, again, the fans might think, oh, well, they'll trade this guy for this guy or this minor. Minor leaguers themselves, they don't think about this stuff. It is, it is a complete and total shock to them if their name is ever brought up in a trade. Yeah, and that's a good point. And, and you never really think that far ahead as a minor leaguer. And I think that's the other thing, too, is, you know, there's just so many moving parts this time of year. And, you know, we talk and this is the year, this is the time of year where you're talking about Super 2, you're talking about service time, you're talking trade deadline, you're talking, you know, workload issues. So, and that's all what we're going to talk about here on the Young Bucks podcast this uh, this week because it's so important and the pirates are at the forefront of what seems like every one of those things right now. Well, sure. Because the plan, the, 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 what is it? It's a two-year plan, five-year plan, 75-year plan is to acquire as much young talent as possible. That's what they're, we're going to spend some time on this too later, folks. DK wrote a great column on this the other day. If management doesn't care about the 20, 2022 pirates, why should you, well, what they care about is playing these older veterans and showcasing them for a trade just in case somebody wants to take somebody off their hands. But from the minor league perspective, what we've seen come through here in Altoona for two years now, this is the future. This is this is the future and the now. Ro, uh, O'Neill Cruz, Rowanzi Contreras, Jack Swinski, um, other guys that, are, that have been brought over either in trades or the draft. So that's what's fascinating if you think about what Charrington has done so far in trying to stockpile talent. Now, basically, Pirates fans just need to cross their fingers and hope that enough of these guys pan out. Right. And I think that's the thing. You know, we just finished the the amateur draft. So those guys are going to be starting to to filter into the system once they sign. They're going to go play in the complex league. If they're good enough, they'll play in Bradenton um, to start. But Again, this is the this is a fun time of year. So let's wrap up this first segment and get into the second segment here on the Young Bucks podcast. Where we're going to talk about um, some guys that are that are on the up and up, and some that are kind of trending down right now uh, in in AAA. So we'll come back here after the short break on the Young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.
Welcome back to the Young Bucks podcast. Corey Quinn Priester is on fire late, while our old friend Mike Burrows, not so much. Yeah, Priester has been tremendous in double A for the curve, just like Mike Burrows was in double A for the curve. I get the feeling, Jared, see if you agree with this. We're going to be talking about Quinn Priester and Mike Burrows together in the same sentence for a number of years because they both have the chance to be long-term answers for the Pirates if because they're on the same track. Yeah, and and I think they're both they could have that potential to be anchors in the major league rotation if the development continues. But it's got to continue level by level. And right now, Priesters figured it out. You know, he started the year on the IL, focused on development, struggled at first, but now it's starting to click and it's starting to get that momentum downhill. Whereas Burroughs started out hot out of the gate. You know, he goes to the Futures game, which is an excellent, which is a great experience. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But now, you know, AAA, those guys are major leaguers. Those guys have probably been there or they're on the doorstep of that. And that's a completely different animal than guys at double A that really haven't sniffed the majors yet. That's a great point. And so let's talk about the good news first. And that's Quinn Priester. Uh, his last time out, six innings, uh, three hits, one unearned run. He has not allowed an earned run over his last three starts, spanning 16 innings for the Altoona curve, uh, pitching very, very well. Sunday uh, against uh, Harrisburg, he had eight strikeouts, um, no or one walk, only allowed the three hits. 21 years old. And that's, again, for somebody that's covered the minors for a long time, we rarely used to see 21-year-olds in double-A. Now we're starting to see it more. And Quinn Priester, I remember talking with him earlier. We have a a good story from our Top 10 Prospects feature that I did a few weeks ago. He He's just, he gets it. You can talk mechanics with him. He's very personable. Uh, he'll he'll give you good insight about what he's thinking and, and his path and everything. Um, he, he's the kind of guy that you look at and say, you know, uh, if he develops well, not only could you, you know, potentially be talking about uh, an anchor for the rotation, but also one of those faces of the franchise kind of guys, Jared. You know, he's a young guy, blonde hair, blonde hair good looking kid, speaks well, um, represents himself well, outgoing, personable. He is the kind of guy that you Pirates fans can look at and say, hey, you know, we can get behind this guy and be a big fan of his for a long time. And certainly the way he's pitching in double A right now is a very good sign. Right. And I think that's the thing, man. You you always want the opportunity to go out and compete for your organization. But when you have that type of charisma, you know, there's so much more for you. He's reminds me personality wise of a Jamison Tyon. Um, just the fact that he's willing and able to talk about those things and is always available. And that matters you know, when you're talking with the media. Now, don't get me wrong. In Altoona and in the minors, there are very, there are a handful of guys that are there regularly. So anytime that somebody is coming into Altoona, it's usually for somebody, it's an individual's feature or, or something special. But you know, anytime that I've interacted with, with Priester um, and, and even Burroughs, you know, Burroughs is more of the intense guy. Um, he's the one that I think you know, that that's going to grind and, and do those things. And, and now he's got that chip on his shoulder that he wasn't this highly talented prospect, but Priester was Priester's now having to live up to that. And with that comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of 
you know, maybe not necessarily a burden, but you have to maintain that because there's so many times in the Pirates organization where we put these lofty goals on these players and they just fold because they probably weren't worthy of those lofty expectations. But again, it's just one of those situations. Okay, and that's a very interesting way to say it. And I, and uh, I'll I'll speak for Jared. I, I think he was not necessarily singling out Mike Burroughs with that particular comment. But Mike Burroughs, right now, six games, five starts, small sample size. Obviously, his ERA at AAA India is six point three three. So now, look, we've written a lot about Mike Burroughs on the site here. Um, he has skyrocketed through the prospect rankings. Uh, what do we have him? We're two or three this week, Jared. I mean, he, he's a guy he's, that him and Davis have been one A, one B for what seems for quite some time. Right. And, and Burroughs is definitely a guy you use the word intense. He's not really the happy go lucky kind of jovial personal personal kind of guy. Like a, like a Quinn Priester was like Tyler glass now was uh, Mike Burroughs, very serious guy. Um, the struggles in Indy, again, very small sample size. We're talking six games. But one thing that I, I always wonder when you see a pitcher get moved up pretty quickly is, did he have enough opportunity to struggle at a level and figure it out? What, do I'm, what am I talking about? Mike Burroughs is only 22 years old. And he only pitched 12 games in double A. Now, look, I will say this. Some of this is my, the old school minor league philosophy in me that says guys should be in double A for most of a year. That's kind of how it's been for most of my 30 years in double A. But that's not exactly how it is now for the last handful of years. So you have this fine line, Jared, of Mike Burroughs. Yes, he was great in Altoona. But he only pitched 12 games. He threw 52 innings. And quite frankly, he dominated until his last start. His last start uh, was against the uh, Erie Seawolves. He gave up, I believe, five runs. I'm trying to pull it up. His last start, yeah, double he, he gave five, five runs. Five runs. He lasted an inning and a third. He, and see, here's the thing. You'd almost, I'm sure the Pirates already had their mind made up that he was going to move up after that. You'd almost rather him stick around in double A and bounce back from that. You know what I'm saying? The minor yeah. leagues exist for a reason. The minor leagues do not just exist so that major league fans can hope that these guys get up to the big leagues as quickly as possible. The minor leagues exist so that hitters can get thousands of at-bats and that pitchers can get hundreds and hundreds of innings. And when you throw, look, Mike Burroughs was tremendous in double-A. But when you throw 52 innings as a 22-year-old and you're automatically promoted to triple-A, that that is not how minor league baseball has existed for a long, long time. And so I'm, you know, now we'll have to see if Mike Burroughs, if he'll sink or swim that he's struggling in AAA. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. So, you know, what's weird is we talk about Burroughs dominating double A and he did. But if you look back at some of his statistics, um, and I have them pulled up right here, you know. You look back, let's, you know, July, he was in, he's been in Indy, but you know, when he was caught, his last start was June 14th in, Al, in Altoona, um, five, five hits, five earned runs, an inning and a third. Now the start before that, you know, five innings, zero hits or one hit, zero earned runs, 
nine strikeouts. That's the dominance we were we were talking about. But before that, seven hits, three earned runs, three hits in his in June and in, uh, in his June first start in three, in three innings, three innings. Right. Yep. You know, in seven innings, you know, you're you're there. There's flashes of brilliance and an you know, there's, there's some inconsistency and this is nothing against him, you know, but that's, that's the game because you're going to get figured out. And like we said about AAA, these guys are either in the majors or they're on, they're knocking on the door to the majors. Um, and have spent sometimes years and years in the majors and they, they, they're on this last chance. So they are professional hitters. They know what it takes. And that's a different breed of player than what you're dealing with in double A. Yeah, I mean, Jared and I both have his game-by-game logs up in front of us. So what happened in AAA on July 1st, uh, he gave up five runs in four and two-thirds innings. And then his next start on July 7th, he gave up uh, five, six runs, five earned in four innings. And that ballooned his ERA. And so, you know, the ERA is, is now, again, six in AAA. It's six games. It's five starts. I don't – I'm not getting caught up in the ERA right now. But what I'm getting caught up in again is the 12 starts in Altoona. Ideally and traditionally, he would have made 20. You see what I'm saying? The extra eight starts, he would have doubled his innings probably. If he goes 50 innings in those eight starts, now he's at 100 innings instead of 52 at the AA level. To me, that's a better... Um, more telling sample size at the double A level, 100 innings, 20 starts, than 12 innings, 12 starts in 50 innings. 100, you know, I think I flipped that, but 12 starts in 50 innings. Hey, look, they clearly felt Burroughs, intelligent, mature guy, could handle triple A right now. But the higher up you get, when you start to face that adversity, you need to be able to have experience in your past overcoming the adversity because it gets harder and harder to do with each higher level. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how he handles that adversity because it does matter. And, you know, I, listen, I don't, I don't think he had anything else other than maybe to rack up some innings and experience in Altoona. So you send him to triple a and see what he's got, because now he's just a call. He's just a couple, couple calls away. And, and obviously when you're a pitcher and you go to, to double a, you go from double a to, to the majors, people will, there, that type of expectation is absurd. Now, when it's AAA to to single or to, to the majors, it's a little different, you know. And that's a situation like Ronda Contreras. Contreras is now, you know, in this weird purgatory. Um, and we'll get to that here in the in the third and final segment. But you know, it, it's the the weirdness of the tale of two, two tale of two seasons and uh, between Priester and Burroughs is is intriguing. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing both of them pitch in the second half because I think Burroughs turns it around and Priester really starts to to dial things in. And and when that happens, I think that's a beautiful thing for the Pirates organization moving forward. If they get both of them to live up to their potential, you really got something going because Mitch Keller's pitching much better now. Mm-hmm. If they get one of these two, hey, you know what, Jared? That's probably even good enough. I mean, look, we, we got to be realistic. We got to play the math here. If either... Mike Burroughs or Quinn Priester becomes an outstanding member of your rotation. You've won there. I mean, that, that's just the way it goes. You, you, you got to bet if you bat 50% of these guys, you're going to be in good shape. You can't have zero of the two. Okay. If you get both of them. Wow. Both of those guys in the pirates rotation for the next five, six years until they're either traded and, or, you know, uh, whatever, because we all know how that goes. 
So uh, that, that could be great. But uh, I've, I've thought all along Mike Burroughs had, because of the maturity and everything, and the chip on his shoulder being an 11th round pick, I thought he had an opportunity to really, really um, cash in on all this and make a name for himself. But I cannot overlook what Quinn Priester's done. He has just been outstanding, and uh, he he certainly looks like he's got a very bright future. Right, and I think that's a good that's a good problem to have. Right, you can't have you know too many arms. Uh, you'll never have enough. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they continue to develop. But let's talk about a guy who's developing or has pretty much already developed really uh and when we come back for the third and final segment in ron z Contreras on the young bucks podcast and dk pittsburgh sports podcasting network Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Young Bucks podcast and DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jeff Prugar. Corey, Ron Contreras has been in the majors for quite some time now. Um, so why are we talking about him on Young Bucks? Well, it's pretty simple. He is technically on the AAA roster. But why? Service time. And you know what? I This is, this is where all this stuff... It makes me angry. It shouldn't. I think it makes a lot of fans angry, and it probably shouldn't, but we do have to be honest about this stuff. They, it looks like they're manipulating Ronzi's service time. They're trying to limit the amount of innings that he throws, which maybe to, to help the, from a health standpoint, and that does happen too. But I, I just believe, Jared, that uh, th- this is such a facade. It is such a fraudulent, uh, uh, lying part of baseball that moves are made to keep guys from pitching and excuses are made when we all really know what's going on. And, I mean, look, if Rwanzi really is hurt or something and we don't know, that's one thing. But this this just smacks of all of the elements of controlling the service time to try to save money down the road. And look, this is just the way the game is played because the pirates are terrible this year. So you might as well save money. But I, I just, I just hate it for this reason, Jared sports should be about playing your best players. The NFL does that. The NHL does that. The NBA does that. Major league baseball is the only sport that F's around screwing over some of its best players with this service time crap. Yeah. And like I said, with Burroughs, what can he have done in double a that he can't do in triple a same thing for, for Contreras. And for those of you that aren't aware, he was put on the taxi squad following his last start um, with the pirates. So, and in that start, (laughs) in that start, he had his best start of the season. Um, And I think that's really um, the, the situation here that's, that's crazy because uh, for all intents and purposes, why is he down? You know, um, it's just one of those situations. He, six innings, four hits, one earned, one walk, seven Ks uh, against Cincinnati July 7th. 
They put them on the taxi squad. And what the taxi squad is, is, is a group of players that are, are at the beck and call of the Pirates. They're not technically on the roster, but they're not technically in AAA. They're in this little purgatory. That was the COVID thing. You know, in case people went on the COVID list or were hurt or whatever, they were right there. So he got his side set, his side work in, and, and DK profiled that in, in Colorado, while the team was in Colorado. But the issue is now he's in AAA, and they're, they're talking about building him back up. Well, in a week, he was built down. Right? Like he was, you know, he lost everything he would, he was working for. So when it walks like a duck, acts like a duck, quacks like a duck, it is probably a duck. And in this situation, the duck is manipulating surface time because Contreras, there's no reason he needs to be in AAA. So, you know, especially I understand that, you know, at times he's not always the most consistent. And, you know, just looking at his last three games, July 26 at Tampa Bay, five innings, four hits, one earned. All right. Next next time out, uh, July 1st, um, one and two thirds, five hits, seven earned runs, two walks. So, you know, there's inconsistency there, but that's exactly what you're going to get from a young pitcher. So going and having a throw against quad A guys in, in Indy uh, or, you know, guys that are on the cusp of that. I don't think that's doing him any justice other than learning, learning on the fly in Pittsburgh. But at one point, at some point, you have to either say, come out and say what you're doing or just be like, all right, well, we want to win and we don't care. But they want them. They want to have control for as long as they have it. Major League Baseball organizations and, and organizations and out throughout all of sports. And this goes from Little League all the way up to the NFL, to Major League Baseball and, and, and everybody. They want as much control as they can have. They want to dictate everything they can. And here you have it. You know, it, they want another year from Rwanda Contreras and they're going to get it because he's going to be down just long enough just like O'Neill Cruz, where they don't lose an option year. And, you know, that's another year of a minor league contract. So why are we griping about it? Because this is what everybody does. Well, I gripe about it because it's stupid. And I think it gives no credibility to, to these major league teams. And look, if you're listening to our podcast and you're clearly a Pirates fan and you care about Pirates minor leaguers, uh, this go this has gone on with Pirates minor leaguers for a long, long time. It's, we were griping a few weeks ago that O'Neill Cruz wasn't called up yet. So this is the kind of stuff that not only the pirates do, but everybody does. So uh, should we even be griping about it and, and wasting our breath? Probably not, but I, it, it's just one of the reasons that makes me hate in some ways, major league baseball, because they're just a bunch of liars. Okay. They're a bunch of liars that, you know, will do everything they can. And again, I'm not talking about the pirates. I'm talking about all of them to manipulate this stuff, to keep control as you're talking about. Now that's one separate issue. Another issue is the innings component. Now, look, we are in such a ridiculous era of professional baseball now with these innings limitations. Okay. I'm not advocating for going back to 1973 and Nolan Ryan throwing 15 innings in a game and 340 innings in a season. I'm not advocating that. Can we have can we have some kind of balance to where we do not treat all of these folks like they're 11 years old? Oh, I'm sorry. You can't throw a curveball yet, buddy, because you're 11 years old. We don't want to hurt your elbow. We have to make sure we treat you like a baby. I've been in the minor leagues a long time, Jared. It, it is absolutely commonplace for organizations to take their best prospects and limit their innings to some degree. Okay. And I get that. It, it does happen. But 
we've already limited these pitchers' innings to such a degree. And even in the big leagues, we're limiting them. So, Jared, at what point are we going to be looking at pitchers and saying, my God, we don't want them throwing more than 130 innings in a season? It used to be 300. Now you'll almost never see anybody get to 200. At what point are we going to treat these guys and, and, and let them be professionals as opposed to, I'm sorry, four and five innings, we've got to limit you to 125, 140 innings a year, and that's it. So let's take a step back. You mentioned being 11 years old. Right now, you know, the epidemic in youth sports is playing one sport and only one sport where you should Mm -hmm. be playing multiple sports. And I firmly agree with that. I I played three sports all the way up until I got to college uh, and then finally focused. So you're starting with that sports specialization early. That's not good. Um, so your body is breaking down um, at the youth level. Now you have all a lot of um, a lot of coaches that don't necessarily know how to teach mechanics the right way. So, you know, you're putting a lot of bad wear and tear in the body uh, and then they get to the majors or not to the majors, but the minors or college or whatever. And then they get have to get fixed while well, that causes muscle breakdown and, and skeletal breakdowns. And, and that's an issue. But a lot of it, you know, I and this is the weird thing for me, Corey, because as a pitching coach, I'm not worried about innings as much as say pitches because an inning I could go out and throw three pitches or 55 pitches if I'm camp view. So, you know, and the pitches are pitches are a lot more of an indicator of wear and tear on an arm than innings are because you can go out and throw 120 innings, but how many of those, how many pitches you throw in those innings? Because like I said, you, you could have an immaculate inning like Luis Ortiz did before the all-star break. Uh, and throw nine pitches and get get out of it. Or you can labor and throw 16, 17, 18, 19, 19 pitches, but it, it, it's still an inning, no le- or, uh, an inning no less. So that's my issue with it. But I, I, I love Nolan Ryan because Nolan Ryan, when he was a pitching coach, his pitches, his pitchers were, were lengthened out. So they could handle throwing up to 120, 120 pitches in a game. Now it's just not like that because you have so much money invested in these pitchers and in these arms that you have to baby them. And that's not, that's not good for the arm either because then you get into September, October. And if the pirates are ever lucky again, November and well, we hit our innings limit a while ago. You know, you look at a guy like Steven Strasburg, he's, I swear every year he's on an innings limit, but he still ends up hurt one way or another. And you know, when you when you start to pussyfoot around, that's when the injuries happen. So for me, if I'm a pitching coach, I want them built up to what I want them to be built up to. So that's probably about 120 pitches. I don't I'm not worried about the innings. I'm worried about the pitches and the wear and tear that that's causing, because that's the true indicator of how worn out a pitcher is 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 for that matter. You know, I would not disagree with anything you said. And what just bothers me about all of this, I was having this conversation with yet another person today, an old school baseball fan. He doesn't watch baseball anymore. I have a hard time watching Major League Baseball. Uh, this guy had just done an interview with Zane Smith. He's a local broadcaster here now, too. Zane Smith, a former Pirates pitcher and Major League pitcher. And I heard Zane Smith on the interview say, you know, he, it's ridiculous how these pitchers 
Everybody just throws cheese all the time. Nobody pitches anymore. All the players are up there just hitting home runs. We gripe about these things because the game has just changed so drastically. I've had on my podcast in recent months, Jack Wilson and Freddie Sanchez and Mike Lavalier. None of them watch Major League Baseball anymore. The game, the game is so different now. Freddie Sanchez won a batting title 15 years ago. He told me he may not even have a spot in Major League Baseball now because he is such a different kind of hitter than what they – all of these things add up, Jared. And I know this is the Young Bucks podcast, and we're trying to talk about the future. But I think this is the future because the way the game has changed so dramatically in the last five years – What's it going to be like in another 10 or 15 years, really? I mean, how how much are we just going to continue to go down this path to where none of us recognize Major League Baseball anymore? Yeah, I mean, it's getting pretty close. I mean, in the Myers, we have the pitch clock. We have the the bigger bases. And in the Florida State League, they have the the no the no shift zone, which is at second base in up the middle where infielders aren't allowed to stand. Um, so I, I don't know that these changes are great. I don't know. I know the pitch cl- the pitch clock is a godsend um, for people writing on deadlines, but you know it's just one of the situations where you're trying to you know manipulate the game, and I don't know if it's necessarily good. But as far as the physicality of the game, you're right. There are so many throwers. These guys are out there throwing 100, 105, um, you, you know, and then trying to break curveballs off. And these guys have been throwing curveballs for way too long. What we fail to realize is the body has to mature and. When you're throwing things before things are mature uh, and your body's not ready for it, you know, that's that's where the injury breaks, the, where the, those breakdowns mechanically and, and physically start to happen. And that's the that's the that's the epidemic in youth sports. I mean, every year you hear of a kid that needs Tommy John or has shoulder surgery or has elbow surgery or breaks a growth plate or, you know, there's a pitcher in the Yankees game the other day that broke his elbow mid pitch. Um, you know, the, the, it's, it's such a different game than let's say when Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig played, you know, those guys played during the day, went out night and played again. Now these guys are are finely tuned athletic machines to, to steal a, um, a quote from, from the water boy, but that athleticism is both a blessing and a curse. Now these guys are genetic freaks that, that are throwing the ball and challenging the body to do things that, that that might not be capable of. And I think that's something that you have to worry about too, because you're, you're redlining your body so often when you're throwing a pitch that it it's, you're in the danger zone. And that's something you have to really, really worry about because when you have hundreds of millions of dollars wrapped up into a player, you got to protect them at all costs. And, you know, that's why guys like Shohei Otani, you know, it's, it's the angels are God knows what the hell they're trying to do out in LA, but um, they've got Mike Trout and, and Shohei Otani. They got all that money locked up into them. You know, I, I'm shocked that Shohei Otani is is still a two way player. But damn, is he fun to watch and is he good? And that's again, you're talking about maximizing the body and pushing the body to its limits. He's pitching and hitting. You know, once he's pitching once a week and, and hitting. You know, every day it, it seems. And I think that's something that you know, as we get older, we start to realize a lot more the the physical limitations that the body has. And and we're seeing that in major league baseball right now. And it has trickled down to the minor leagues too. I mean, as, mm-hmm. as we kind of wrap this up, the last thing I would say is uh, again, the way things used to be, and I'm not, I'm not being old man walking uphill to school both ways in the snow, man. I'm talking about five, six years ago 
the way things used to be five, six years ago in the minors, it's just so different now in a lot of ways with all these guys throwing so hard. And so I guess the last in closing for me is when we're talking about Quinn Priester and we're talking about Mike Burroughs, Henry Davis, whom we have not mentioned, he's not playing right now because of the risk. When we're talking about any of these guys, pitchers, hitters, and we're trying to project, Jared, you've been around the minors a long time too. When we're trying to project what they could be in the big leagues, it's all just such a giant unknown, even more so than historically, because it's very difficult to project in baseball. But now the game has changed so much and it's trickling down into the minor leagues and organizations are, are changing their own philosophies so quickly. I, I just make it just makes it so much more difficult for you and I to sit here and do a podcast and say we like this prospect or that prospect or that prospect simply because these guys are going through they're going through a different game than we were watching in minor league baseball just five, 10 years ago. Right. And, and that's the thing, man. I mean, we talk about the different levels and, and, you know, it always used to be where they leave high a and come to double a and it's a double and it's, that's where the, the pitchers, beca- the throwers become pitchers. Well, now everybody's just throwing as hard as they can. And sometimes you just don't know where it's going to go. And you look at the hit by pitch rates and you, you look at the grips on the, on the ball and you just have no idea what's going to happen next. And I think that's the beauty and the, the scary thing about prospects. You just don't know what's going to happen next. They could be the next, you know, Nolan Ryan, or they could be the next Ryan Nolan, whoever that might be. I'm sorry if I offended a Ryan. I got to Google, Google Ryan Nolan, see if there's ever been a baseball player named Ryan Nolan here. But that's the thing. So you, you just never know what you're going to get. And, you know, it's like, a, like, it's like a box of chocolates. You have no idea what you're going to get. And sometimes <laughs> it's not good. And sometimes it's, it is good. So you just never know. And I think that's the both, that's a really cool thing, but it's also something you got to be cognizant of each and every day as you're watching these guys on the field. You know, I want to close the podcast by saying that box of chocolates thing. That is so true. When you were a kid and you saw the box of chocolates and like you'd take a bite out of one and it was that gross orange crap or purple crap or whatever. I mean, seriously, did you do that, Jerry? Did your mom have boxes of chocolates and you and you'd you'd open it up and you'd take a bite out of one and you're like, oh, gross, and you'd put the rest of it back in there? Uh, no, I like to stick with my peanut butter meltaways and my Reese's cups. Uh, I do not like <laughs> I do not like biting into things and getting surprises. But the one thing that, as we close, the one thing that isn't a surprise is we'll be back again next week on the Young Bucks podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.